Hello, and welcome to Travel Loving Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Penny. This podcast is dedicated to moms who have a love for travel and share that love with their children. My guests on the show share their travel stories, advice, and tips with us. You'll hear from moms all around the globe with different travel styles and varying ages of children. If you have a desire to travel with your family and need some inspiration, then this podcast is for you. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can go to travellovingmoms.com slash be a guest. Travel Loving Moms podcast can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Check us out on your favorite social media channel at Travel Loving Moms. Without further ado, let's get started on today's podcast. and welcome to episode 24. Today, my guest is a wife and mom to two kids and a dog. She has fostered 34 children, one in which they have adopted and one they have custody of. She is a photographer and consultant with Airborne, which is a vegan, non-toxic, sustainable skincare, nutrition, and makeup company. Her and her family live and travel in a school bus. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Caitlin, with Runaway Must Bus on Instagram and Tumblr. Hey, Caitlin. Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, you sound good. (laughs) Oh, good. How are you today or tonight? Um, doing good. We, uh... So we're in Tennessee, so we spent the day up in the Smoky Mountains, and we got stuck for about an hour in a thunder rainstorm, um, but Whoa. it passed through, and so now we're, we're out drying off. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. But I've seen, some, I've seen your videos and everything. Looks like y'all are doing some amazing hikes. Yeah, we definitely are um, kind of what I call peak baggers. We kind of like chase mountains. I think it's kind of... Um, I mean, even surprising to me, I always forget that my kids kind of do expert level hiking and expert level mountaineering. And, um, I don't know, we just kind of love it. Wow. Do they get that naturally from y'all? Um, you know, so growing up, I never was outdoors and it wasn't until, uh, must've been like five years ago. We actually first started hiking and I just fell in love with it. And then it kind of warped into so JJ has special needs and he actually couldn't walk until he was three and he started walking on the trail and then um honey has her own sort of uh she has ADD and struggles with a lot of impulse and energy control and so it just became this place where we're just outside and just talking and disconnecting from sort of like the trauma and the sadness that naturally revolves around sort of their life and um, it just has become, this is just what we do. I think for them at this point, they don't really know anything else. Um, but I see physically, mentally, and emotionally how much this has kind of helped them as they've had to face some really tough stuff. Isn't that awesome what the, out, the great outdoors can do for you? Yeah, it's inc- it's like incredible to me. I mean, I never really experienced it growing up. I was a professional ballerina, so... All my days were spent inside and um, 
I thought going outside was, you know, stupid. I didn't want to, I remember the first time someone mentioned to me, I should try hiking. I was just uh, baffled why someone would want to walk in the woods. And I thought that was so boring and was not interested at all. And then we did it. And now it's kind of like, man, why would someone just want to stay inside all day? (laughs) So, yeah. I love that. Now, where are you from? So I was born in Chicago, but when I was a wee baby, my parents moved down to Florida. So I lived in Florida from like one to um, three weeks before I turned 18. And I moved from Orlando, Florida over to Seattle, Washington. And I lived there for 10 years. And it was um, where I met my husband and also where I retired from ballet, um, started foster care, met and adopted our daughter honey and then um after 10 years i got kind of tired of the rain and got a lot of seasonal depression so we moved down to california and we lived in long beach outside of los angeles for seven years and now um we live wherever the bus is (laughs) so right yeah. Well, you've been you've been around a little bit. I can catch different um, ways in your voice. I mean, yeah. you have kind of like a European accent. That's why I asked. But then you yeah. said something, and it was total Chicago. But then you got some Southern in you too. So yeah, I can hear it all in your voice. It's so funny, <laughs> especially since we've been spending time over here in like Tennessee and Missouri and Kentucky. My family is starting to pick up. They're like, "Geez, your drawl's coming out." Because I've always say y'all, but the accent's getting thicker again. But the funniest thing about my accent is um, I actually had really horrific ear infections as a baby and couldn't hear anything. And so I didn't speak and I made grunts. And so they kind of thought I was more on the simple side. And then finally a doctor was like, no, she just has really horrible ear infections. She can't hear a thing. So they put tubes in my ears. And so Mm -hmm. then I started talking, but then my speech pathologist, um, I grew up in Florida. She was from uh, Puerto Rico. So she had a very thick Hispanic, Hispanic accent. And she was trying to teach me how to like roll my R's and everything. So she taught me to speak. And then my parents grew up in Minnesota. And so there's that like Minnesota and the Midwestern that comes in. But then I kind of grew up in the South. So it's all like a mix. And I'm still partly deaf. So I'm just a mess. I'm amazed that people can understand me most days. So, yeah. Well, I don't think you're a mess, and I understand <laughs> you perfectly. But now I have that strong Southern, so I feel I like, it. well, thank you. If, if someone can talk to me, they can talk to just about anybody. <laughs> I you, um, Go ahead. Oh, I was just say I think Southern accent, it just makes me feel at home and I tell you what, like coming back to the South and how kind and polite and the way people treat you, it just, it makes me miss the South. It makes me miss being over here on the East Coast versus being on the West Coast. So it's very comforting to hear your accents. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you very much. (laughs) Now we got a lot to cover tonight because I have a lot of questions for you. Um, The first one I wanted to know you kind of touched a lot on your family. So I wanted to know a little bit more about your decision, you and your husband's decision to foster. And wow, 34 kids, that's just yeah. amazing that you were able to do that. Could you tell us more about that? 
Yeah. So when we, um, before we got married, we kind of had more of a fast courtship. Um, uh, my husband had a very different uh, raising up than I did. And so he was very big that the first woman he wanted to ever kiss would be his wife at the altar. And so that kind of like sums up his idea of how our dating should be. And I came from very messy, um, very different. And so we, the first time we started hanging out, he sat me down on this couch and he's like, well, I don't even, I was his first girlfriend. He goes, I don't want to waste my time. We're going to get married if I'm going to even do this. And so from there, three months later, we were engaged. And then six months, of, six months after that, we were married and our first kiss was at the altar. Um, his, and so our big thing was that we wanted to just right away have a big family, like have a honeymoon baby, lots of kids. Um, so we tried and I actually, before I met my husband had miscarried. And then after meeting him, I have miscarried, uh, it's four times in total. And so, which is very, a devastating story of its own. But what kept hitting me was that, you know, maybe I'm not meant to be a mom of a child of my own, you know, maybe God's trying to tell me I'm supposed to be a mom to many other kids. And so we looked into traditional adoption and international adoption, but it just didn't kind of sit right with me. And his family had had two foster boys growing up. And he had mentioned, have you ever heard of foster care? And I hadn't. I didn't know what foster care was really. And so we looked into it and I was just struck that there are thousands of children who just need a home and so we jumped headfirst into foster care and funny enough our first placement was honey um and i call her buckets on instagram that's her nickname on the trail is buckets and so she actually was only supposed to be with us for 30 days they had told us it's going to be a really easy case for her mom and she's going to go home within 30 days can you just take her in the meantime because she's a really sick baby we actually picked her up from the hospital um she was born drug exposed and had was going through a lot of withdrawals and difficulty with that and so I had said very clearly to the social worker when we were going through the application process that I didn't want a girl I was uncomfortable with raising a girl. I thought that it would be too difficult and I had my own issues and I didn't want to like pass on that. But then when the ticket came through, it was like, yep, that's, I'm going to take her. That's my daughter. And so what ended up happening is her mom kind of just wasn't able to fulfill the uh, guidelines set by the court. And we ended up adopting her at age two. And then after that, and when she was still in foster care, we took in Ryan, and he was a complete opposite story. The social worker was like, his mom's never going to get him back, you guys. Just prepare to adopt him. But then he stayed with us a year and went home the day before Christmas. And it kind of, that has been the idea behind it is that I stopped sort of putting in my mind, well, I'm only going to take long term, or I'm only going to take a certain child, and more like, you know, if a child is presented to us and I feel like this is a child that um, God kind of wants in our care forever long or short, we're going to say yes. And so a lot of these 34 kids, um, they've come back multiple times. Um, I've seen them adopted out to other foster families. Some of them I've lost touch with them, but still talk to their biological parents. And um, kind of the way that I remember them all is I have a tattoo of a wing on my back. 
And then I have uh, all the names tattooed in feathers that kind of go down my arm. And so they're, that's a way they stay with me because I don't get to stay with them. Um, but that's kind of the messy way that my family is. And right now, so we have Honey, who we adopted. And then um, we have Jeremy, who I call Monkey. And he was only supposed to be three months he was going to stay with us and he went home after three months and then he came back after a month and he actually went back and forth four times which we saw a tremendous amount of damage um from that trauma of going back and forth and so we finally told the courts that we would not take him back unless it was more of a permanent solution and so three years ago they made us his legal guardians so he's six now and he has been with us um pretty much full time for an since he was nine months years old, I guess that's not years, nine months old. Um, and so that's kind of who our family is right now. Well, I love that story. And I think that's amazing that y'all were able to take those kids and, you know, at least love on them when you had them. And I like the tattoo idea. Now, every time I see your arms, I'm going to think of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's an amazing way to remember them. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so we'll go into kind of y'all's travel style and everything. Like I said earlier, I see that y'all do a lot of, um, you're in the mountains pretty much all the time from what I can tell. Yeah. And so, and then you travel, y'all live and travel in a school bus. So can you tell us like, What's your travel style and then what it's like traveling with a, in a school bus? So we, yeah, it's basically that I like to chase mountains. Um, this summer though, uh, I guess I was trying to think of that. So before we started this nomadic life, I was kind of like the Uber planner. Every time we had a vacation, I'd like printed out itineraries of everything we're going to do, research all the stuff, what we're going to eat, where we're going to go, what we need to wear, and just over planning. And then when we moved into the bus, the first thing you kind of learn when you start this life is that like nothing goes to plan. Like absolutely nothing goes to plan. And so now it's kind of like we have sort of, places and dates that we're aiming towards in the future and then the way we get there we kind of plot out the plan and then you know we never end up sticking to it so like for example this summer we knew we wanted to go up the Oregon coast to see Charlie's family at a beach house and then we needed to go over to Tennessee to see my family because they're going to Dollywood and so we mapped out where we're going to see all these people and do all these things and then our bus broke down and then Everything kind of just changed. And so actually our bus is still in the shop and we are car camping now. But that's kind of like the travel idea is that there's a grand scheme of like, we want to get to this place by this date. And then we start heading a direction, but then something shiny over there leads us a different way. And then something breaks down. So then we're going this way. And I think that is both sort of the adventure and also maybe a huge headache that has been the adjustment of just kind of going with the flow which for my more like uber planner controlling self is both a good test of growth and also probably like a very hard thing to let go of so but yeah that's kind of how we do it I guess as far as the bus goes is did y'all do the conversion and everything on the inside of it yourself or, 
are when you when y'all get it back from the shop are y'all gonna go back into living it or are you gonna get something else so the first bus we had jupiter um she was already done we added a few things to her like we added a water system and some more um my husband's an electrical engineer so he added a lot more uh ability to charge things because that's what brings him joy so that one was pretty much done so that bus actually ran off of propane which is a really awesome idea and it's very clean and I really like the giving back aspect of it but the biggest thing was whenever she broke down most mechanics won't touch her Um, propane is scary and foreign and so finding mechanics to work on her was expensive and difficult and then when you started mapping out actually filling up the gas tank, finding places that would fill her with propane, as well as pay the extra taxes to fill alternative vehicles was a headache. Um, So when she broke down and we even got to the point where we completely replaced her engine, but all these other little things kept breaking down, we finally decided that we needed to stop putting money into her and like we weighed the pros and cons and we ended up buying another school bus that is a diesel turbo turbo engine and it's lifted and it has extra shocks and it's it's like this beast that fits more with that we can go into the mountains but the downside of this bus was that it wasn't done on the inside really at all and so knowing that we had this timeline and we also were kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere in Nevada we literally parked the two buses next to each other on some BLM land which is free government land that you can stay for 14 days and it was like a dust bowl and my husband spent a week and a half basically tearing everything out of Jupiter and putting it into the new bus so building beds trying to put in a water system putting in the kitchen modifying solar panels and so that's what we did. And um, of course, there's a lot of things that we still want to tweak, but uh, we're very minimalist style anyways. And so it worked well with that. And um, after Tennessee, because we're in the rental car, we're going to head on back to Salt Lake City where she is right now and um, move in as much as we can. I mean, the bus, what's been going on with the new bus is more like just little things and more I'm being very kind of like, over cautious with just little things that are um, seem a little off just because I want to make sure that we thoroughly take good care of the bus because it is our home and she is going to keep breaking down that's part of bus life but um, I just want to make sure that all the little things kind of fit in place as much as possible so the plan is after this to go pick up our bus and move back in and start heading up towards the Pacific Northwest for a bit. Nice. Nice. That sounds really good. Yeah. Other than the one that was broke down and now, and yeah. you know, what's so fun about is you've got the two vehicles and they're both your home and you just park them side by side and just, it, it was so easy to be able to transition everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of <laughs> funny. My, um, my kids got kind of spoiled because it was very dusty. We called it the dust bowl where we are. And so they would like critique us if we didn't park the doors exactly next to each other because they wanted to be able to walk from bus to bus oh. in the ground. We were like, you guys are just too spoiled. But yeah, <laughs> it was a blessing to be able to do that. And it's also a blessing to have a husband who, um, even though he is an electrical engineer, which is very much like he sits in front of a computer and designs buildings, 
Um, he still has this incredible ability to build and watch YouTube videos because he's never done anything like this before, but he was able to really work his little butt off to get us back on the road. So I'm that's good that you have him around for sure. Yeah, that's why I keep him around. <laughs> uh, sure, that's not the only reason. <laughs> now, I know that a lot of RV parks and everything are real particular about what comes and stays there and um, what kind of vehicles are there. But bus life and van life are getting very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I myself am leaning to a van, but my yeah. daughter's like, no, I want a full bathroom. So anyway, that's another <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah. So. With both with that growing at such a rate, where do y'all stay at? Do you just stay at BLM, BLM land that's free? Do you get to stay at parks sometimes to kind of give yourself a refresher, or how do y'all do all that? Um, we are more to the free. Um, there's a few apps that I use. The one that I'm really loving right now is called iOverlander. I think it's Lander. It could be Land, but it's all over the world, and people put in information of like. I stayed on this park that's in the middle of a neighborhood, but the neighbors don't mind. And it tells tells you if there's Wi-Fi, if there's clean water. It'll also put on stuff on there. Like, if you do want to stay at the campsite and pay for money, um, we usually don't. We have a water heater and a shower in the bus. And so we'll shower down there. And then because we camp and backpack a lot, as weird as it sounds, I don't mind, um, you know, going in the woods. And so, and then I also have a gym membership to 24 hour fitness. So if I'm feeling like I really just need to scrub the kids down really well, we'll try to find one of those locations. And they've always been super nice that they let me just bring them in and I'll just wash them and then we'll just leave. Um, but we try to really just stay free and uh, like use laundry mats. If we visit friends and family, like the joke is if you want us to visit you, you have to let us like plug in and use your laundry and your bath. Um, and no, another great thing is that we do have five solar panels and five batteries. So we can completely boondock and don't need to plug in anywhere. And then another thing why I kind of chose against having any sort of like toilet system was I didn't really want to deal with the black water and the dumping station. <laughs> um, so that's kind of why we went that way. And then I think we're also kind of unique. A lot of families you see will have full size buses and that limits you on being able to do a lot of the parking that we do. We have a short bus and it's um, only 18 feet long. It fits into a regular parking spot. And that has helped us also to get up windy roads, to go a lot of places. If you go to national parks, if you're over 22 feet, they don't let you go on the roads. And we don't have to worry a lot. Most most people won't complain about a short bus, but they might complain about a full-size bus. So there's pros and cons. We definitely have a lot less space inside, um, but we can go more places. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, especially for us, since, since we're such... Yeah adventure seekers we spend most of our time outside anyways so yeah you don't that lifestyle rv life van life bus life all that's not for you you do that to go outside you don't do that to sit in an rv all day yes how do your kids enjoy or how do the kids enjoy traveling 
Um, they really do like it. I mean, they uh like um so they have special needs. So there's some hiccups that come with that, but those sort of tantrums or episodes that we have come from any environment that we are in. Um but I know like especially when the bus broke down, like both kids were hysterical. And then we were at the mechanic shop and when they brought the bus out to show it to us, like their faces light up, they were running towards it. They were the first ones to start referring to the bus as, oh, let's go home versus let's get back to the bus. Um, I think, you know, I will be fascinated to see when they become adults, what their perspective of it. Because again, again, as a kid for them, this is just life. I don't think they really kind of conceptually can understand that a lot of people don't live the way that we live. I think we all kind of live like your reality is your normative. And so I will be interested to see what they remember. I mean, I we tried to, unfortunately, because of the way they were sort of thrusted into the world, um, we've had to like face a lot of adult conversations and topics. And so um, there's a very open door policy when it comes to discussion. We've talked about a lot of adult things that perhaps most families don't really have to face and so they see the ups and the downs like they see like if I wake up crying because it's been a hard day but then we like walk through it so you know we're not happy-go-lucky all the time Um, I don't think anyone is but I do see how much they just like love being outside they're dirty they're climbing trees we don't have very many toys like they had to very much car down what they could bring with them and so just seeing how happy they are with just playing with themselves has been for me as a parent like I love that I love that they don't need electronics to kind of make them happy so so far they're really liking it I think in the summer the sleep stuff has been the biggest fight (laughs) because they don't like how hot it is in the bus at night but other than that they've they love seeing the world Now, just a couple other things I wanted to get to before we leave, um, before we're done. What are some tips and advice that you would give um, parents for traveling with kids? Um, You know, I think the biggest thing is try to figure out your kids. Like, every child is very different. And my kids are probably the most polar opposite creatures you could possibly put together. Like, Honey is social butterfly, adventurous fearless, very opinionated, stubborn, just like I am, um, beautiful, engaging gal. And so our biggest thing is trying to figure out she has a thirst for people. So we've set it up where she has pen pals. Um, we try to do ranger programs, even little things like she loves just talking to all the shop people. If we meet people on the trail, she wants to stop and have a coffee with them. Like, And so just making sure she has that social stimulus that she's thirsty for. Now, my son is, um, he's going to watch you do something for a few times before he actually tries it. Uh, He does really well with like one person. He needs a lot of one-on-one time. He gets very overwhelmed by other kids. He, um, He is, he needs, so making sure with him is like checking in like, how is your anxiety levels? How are you feeling? Does this make you feel good? Like he really kind of thrives if you try to really point because, you know, a lot of the stuff that he 
struggles with with his disabilities, um, negative attention seeking. So always making sure like I try to find the tiniest things that I can applaud him with. And little things like that helps him feel better. So you kind of got to figure out your kids. Like, I know if we walk into a certain situation, I can kind of let Honey go and be fine. But I need to make sure that Jeremy has support. Or maybe I need to make sure I wheel Honey in type thing. Um, So kind of knowing how your kids are reacting, like staying in tune with them, seeing how they're doing, if they need a rest. Um, With our hiking and stuff, the one big thing I always tell people because – uh, we are notorious for being told that we're not on family-friendly trails, um, which I agree. We go on dangerous trails, but I think uh, if you want to start hiking or maybe do some of the stuff that we do, just uh, start small. A lot of it is my kids are trained. <laughs> we do a lot of training. Like we recently climbed Mount Whitney, which is uh, the highest mountain in the lower 48, and we did it during heavy snow. So we had to go up the chute, which means that my kids were carrying ice axes and crampons. And we had also done a lot more hiking and climbing mountains in snow. And before we walked on the mountain, like we went over avalanche safety. We talked about what you do in the avalanche. I had each of them practice what's called self-assist. So if you fall, you have to learn to stop yourself with your axe where you don't just like plummet down. And so there's things like that, like. Um, don't just expect that you're going to jump into this and there's not going to be a transition period and sort of trying to keep a sense of humor. Like it'll probably be a lot of bumps before it gets smooth. I mean, we're still in a lot of bumps and that you just have to have grace and patience, but that felt very rambling. Um, I hope that I was able to hit on something, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I guess if there's one thing, it's a sense of humor. I think if we didn't laugh, and just try it like being stuck in the rainstorm today with it like the sky turned black and we were just drenched and we were all just laughing because we're like well at least we're not going to be bitten by ticks anymore because they're getting drowned and so you just have to like approach everything and just try to laugh even if it's like you cry in the moment you laugh later but that seems to be the biggest thing is if you're having fun your kids will have fun and just being okay when it's not okay (laughs) So, well, I love that. And thank you for sharing that all with us, especially about your kids, because that is some kind of intimate information. Um, Yeah. And I I think those kids are very, very lucky to have you and your husband. I don't know your husband, but (laughs) lucky to have y'all to be able to deal with that. The funny thing about him, I just, I feel like I should share. So he doesn't show up in my Instagram a lot. And the joke is, is that he started growing a beard. And so he started his own Instagram page and I'm the only person he follows. And I refuse to be his friend because the joke is, if you have the beard, you will never be on my Instagram and I'm not going to kiss you anymore because I don't like beards. And so that's like the running joke is that he's the like mystery man. Like I mentioned him. Does he exist? Um, He's always there. Uh, He actually did shave his beard this morning. And so all day I've just been like, oh, you look so cute. Oh, I love it. So he might show up now because I told him until he shaves the beard, he's on the page. So Um, but that kind of sums up our relationship is that we are really best friends and I think that's why we have been able to walk through 
some really horrible situations and still be best friends and still madly in love after almost 14 years. So, yeah, that's my husband. That's awesome. I'm glad he shaved the beard for you. (laughs) Me too. I am very happy to be as gone. (laughs) Well, the last thing I wanted to just kind of touch on was um, about your business. So you're a consultant and a photographer. Well, you're a photographer and you're a consultant with Airborne. Would you like to just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's kind of like a way that I can help earn some income to kind of support the family in this more nomadic life. And um, it all started with uh, about three years ago, I found some weird kind of blistered spots on my nose and I went to have them check at a dermatologist and they turned to be precancerous and I had to have them like freeze dried off and, you know, had a very lovely bandaid for a long time across the bridge of my nose. And it kind of like struck me. You know, I'm outside all the time and I don't wear makeup and I just don't take care of my skin. I don't moisturizer. I didn't have any skin treatments, nothing. And my friend from childhood growing up had been an airborne, is an airborne consultant for, I don't know, like almost 20 years now. And so I reached out to her and she kind of just explained that airborne is, it started as a skincare company and it's all vegan and non-toxic and it's the very hard to get PETA approved and it's just plant-based and cruelty free and so I started with the skincare and I personally saw a difference and that's the reason why I signed on to start selling it because I didn't want to sell something I didn't personally see and it's just remarkable how much my skin is healed and so, yeah, that's what kind of what Airborne is. It also has a lot of things like really awesome makeup that kind of lasts forever. And then it has a whole nutrition line to help with better wellness. And the best thing about it, it's all vegan. And it has um, no extra toxins or sugar. And that's kind of been the venture that I've been starting. I'm pretty new at it. So about a year, a year now is how long I've been doing it. And I think I mostly do it because I get a huge discount on the products myself. Um, I'm still not a big makeup person. I don't wear makeup almost ever. But they have a lot of like SPFs and sunscreens that help me feel more confident, which I never felt confident before without having some sort of powder or foundation on at least or some mascara. But like right now I'm sitting here and I don't have a lick of paint on me anywhere And I feel happy and pretty enough just to kind of show my face. And so that's been like the beautiful thing that Airbond has given me is this confidence that I haven't really had before. And so I sell it in hopes that like you feel it too, you know, like I sell it because I really do think you'll love it. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the side business. And in the photography, I'm a stock image photographer. So I sell my stuff to Getty. So you might see some of my pictures on like a calendar randomly. Um, I actually have no idea. But that is sort of the little mishmash ways that I'm able to help bring money and to sort of fuel this kind of dream that we have in the bus. That's awesome. And every little bit helps. Yeah, it does. Now I'll be sure to put your link to your airborne um, site in the show notes so everyone will know where to find it at. Well, thank you. That'd be awesome. Sure. 
And Caitlin, I just want to thank you so much for being a guest today and for sharing your stories, your tips and advice with us. I've very much enjoyed talking to you. Oh, I love talking to you. I hope it wasn't too rambling. I tend to sort of like splurt everything out. Maybe it's because I spend too much time among trees. You know, I don't get that much. I don't get enough practice with good conversation, but I have enjoyed just sharing and talking. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, where can we follow you at? So my Instagram is Runaway Musbus. So Runaway M U S B U S. And then I also have a Tumblr, which is the same Runaway Musbus, and it's dot Tumblr dot com. And I think Tumblr is spelled T U M B L R. And on that, it's it's not a traditional blog. You know, I could look into that, but it's mostly where I just show all of my photos. Um, I probably take 100 photos a day and they all go up on that blog. So if you like the imagery, but don't like my words, that's probably the best place to go. If you like seeing my pictures and hearing my rambles, Instagram's better. So but yeah. Well, wonderful. And I'll have those links in the show notes also. Thank you. I just want to thank you again. You're welcome. And until next time, may your family be blessed and your travels be awesome.